Garcia has shown glimpses of three pitches that had the chance to be above average. He came out of the gate this spring throwing much harder than in the past, showcasing a fastball consistently up to 97 miles per hour. He backs it up with a mid-80s slider and an 86 to 88 mile per hour cutter. Garcia's command has been spotty at times, but he's generally around the strike zone. And given his athletic delivery and arm action, there's some confidence he'll improve on this front in the future. He doesn't have a ton of track record against good competition or as a starter, but he's a relatively fresher arm with perhaps more projection than most college pitchers. That was the draft report on Nick Garcia, one of the most intriguing prospects in the upcoming MLB draft. As he's currently positioned 71st on the MLB.com list of prospects and is 76th in the perfect games listings of the top eligible amateur talent. What sets Garcia apart, aside from his nearly triple digit fastball, is that all indications are he'll be one of the highest D3 players ever drafted this June. He'll be joining the likes of future MLB All Stars Billy Wagner, who was selected 12th overall in 1993, and Jordan Zimmerman, who was picked in the second round in 2007. The big voice guy brought up some interesting points in that profile. Firstly, and most importantly, Garcia doesn't have much of a track record against top-level competition. He pitched for the Chapman Panthers, which is a Division III team in Orange County, California. Now, the numbers he put up at Chapman were phenomenal. Over the past two seasons, he amassed 83 innings and only allowed 48 hits with 118 strikeouts. And his ERA was a teeny tiny 1.08. Nevertheless... Nick is a completely barren of big-time experience. He helped pitch Chapman to the D3 baseball title last season, and he threw in the Cape Cod League last summer and held his own against the ilk of players from all across the nation. He's proved that he won't discriminate against D3 batters. If you're a Division I opponent, he has no problem striking you out either. Now, the other knock against Garcia's experience. He's only been a pitcher for two seasons. His freshman season is actually Chapman's third baseman. Additionally, 30 of his 35 NCAA appearances, as well as all 15 of his outings in the Cape, were in relief. But, while some would say his arm is green and untested, the counterpoint would be that it's completely fresh, healthy, and has plenty of bullets left in it. So when I was looking for people to profile and have on my podcast for the upcoming draft, Nick was one of the first people I reached out to, and thankfully responded right away. And I gotta say, if his on-the-mound ability is comparable to his determination and moxie that he demonstrated during the interview, he's going to be a hell of a pro pitcher. So, with that, next up on the 1-2-3 Inning College Baseball Podcast, Nick Garcia, pitcher for the Chapman Panthers. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I, I, I find your story fascinating how you've gone from being an unknown at, at, a, at a tiny D3 school to now potentially being picked in the first two or three rounds of the Major League Baseball draft. That's incredible. No, it's a, it's a unique story, yeah. You started your college career as an infielder, though, right? You played third base? Yes. I started third, at third for probably like two, that's a half of our season, maybe, my freshman year. And I didn't pitch. I didn't, they didn't let me touch a ball. Whoa, hold up. They didn't let you touch a ball? You couldn't pitch at all? Did they know you were a pitcher? Had you pitched before? Because that, I mean, obviously in retrospect, that sounds completely insane. It turned out that that year, all our three starting, our weekend guys were all in professional baseball now. So they were kind of like, just go earn your job at third. Uh, that's where you could help us at. And I was just like, okay. Like, that's what they told me. I was like, all right, I'll go do work my ass off over there and we'll see what happens. And then I, as the year went on, obviously, I was like, I got, I got a really good arm. 
uh, in high school, I pitched it in 12 or 14 innings. I had, I was, I just things didn't really work out for me to throw that much in high school. I had a good arm. Uh, and never was really like, oh, I want to pitch, uh, that much in high school. Then as I saw things progressing and my arm getting much stronger, um, and just how we developed past guys in the past year with our pitching coach, what he's done with converted guys, um, that year went on. I was kind of like waiting for my chance. And then sophomore year came around in that fall and I was like, all right. Um, there's no ifs or buts about it. Just let me let me get the ball and go show you what I have. Okay, well, that that makes a little more sense. And yes, obviously there were some very good pitchers ahead of you. Now, but when it came your turn to take the mound, did you personally have any inkling, any idea that you'd be as successful as you were? And I'm not just talking the fact that you could throw the ball hard, but that you're also able to mix up speeds and you know, hit quadrants at the strike zone, move the ball around, and keep batters off balance. I guess in some, were you confident in your potential success as a pitcher? Or has your ability been as surprising to you as it is to others? Yeah, no, it, I don't think any, I think, I think obviously I have the confidence in myself to, that I was going to be good, but I don't think really anybody could have predicted something like that. Um, and it was just one of those things that I, you just got to trust the process and, just I worked hard and I was surrounded by people the right people um and it's just one of the things that happens when you don't really get caught up in the results and you just stick to the plan your team the Chapman Panthers won the division three baseball title last season largely on the backs of an excellent pitching staff you mentioned it yourself that the entire rotation has gone on to pitch professionally what is going on in Orange County that it's allowed a, a small private school to turn out professional prospects? Uh, it goes by the name of Dave Edwards. Uh, he's our pitching coach here, and he's probably the – if he is, shouldn't be recognized as one of the best pitching coaches in the country, he is. Um, the development he does with guys, uh, and it's, it's, it's just fact of what we put out every year as a cohesive unit on the mound, uh, that we're just a pitching program. Uh, not to say we don't dump, we don't swing the bat, and we don't play great defense because that's what's what won us the national championship last year was our pitching and defense. Um, and so, I mean, it just comes down to that, and that's what we do a great job at developing and getting the best out of guys down here. Now, now, as far as your arm goes, I know that you were throwing in the upper nineties. Have you hit the triple digits yet? Uh, I have not heard that I have. I heard that I was close. Um, but until I see it on a, on a big screen one day, I won't really get caught up too much in that. Now, had you been tracking your miles per hour for a while? Because again, this, and this kind of goes back to what I mentioned before, it seems kind of crazy to not to have someone who's able to throw to your velocity out there on the mound. I mean, how much of this is something which has developed, you know, recently as opposed to in high school? It definitely in high school, as a guy with just like a really good arm, I was able to, Huck it across the infield pretty good and stuff like that. Um, and then the first time they let me throw the ball in a bullpen, not really having thrown off a mound in my life really or ever worked on anything, I hit 90. And that was kind of like, oh, that was cool. Um, kind of a cool feat. And then from there it was kind of like, all right, that's the base. Now how high can we get? And as the year went, the fall went on, started to learn, put my base of mechanics down, really understand stuff that sophomore year. And season hit, and that's when 
I feel like for me, competitive juices gets won. Everything just takes it up to the next step. The first outing I was on the mound, I was up to 93. The next weekend, I was up to 94. The weekend after that, I'm up to 96. And then two weeks later, I popped my first 98. Uh, and it was just like a blur of things that every week it was kind of like, all right, what, how much more do I got in the tank? How much more do I got mm-hmm. in the tank? And it, it seemed that it was just kept on the more I challenged myself. And it obviously when I go out there, my job is to dominate and compete and do that. But that just comes with looking to dominate and compete. You get, you just keep pushing yourself past boundaries that you can't, didn't think you ever could. Okay. Okay. So speaking of competing, Prior to the last season, you hadn't pitched at all. Yet following the year, you got an invite to throw in the Cape Cod League, which is traditionally known as the creme de la creme of college summer leagues. At what point during the season did you get noticed to where you received that exclusive invite to play there? That's a huge jump for a D3 player to make. That was just weird. Everything just that year kind of moved really different because of the scenario I was in. I mean... I went from supposedly going to another place before that, and I was kind of locked in there. As the year went on, um, the very beginning of that sophomore year, my pitching coach mentioned, he's like, you have the ability to make it to the Cape. And I kind of like laughed it off. Like, oh, that's, that's a, it's a cute fantasy to have. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't care about it. Put my head down, worked. Put my head down, worked. That wasn't like, that wasn't the end goal for me. That wasn't what I was striving to get to. Uh, I first had to establish myself as a player here. Um, and then I had to help the team win. I won national championship was the number one thing on my mind that year. Um, and as I just weeks went by, it was like I started to get a little more. My name started to pop up here and there. And then people started to, you know, make some phone calls for me and really tried to help me get there. And one after another, the the name got out there to Callie uh, Nicholson in Orleans. And, you know, he was the one who really took the, the – gave me the opportunity. I mean – as you said, it's a very prestigious honor to be given, um, and I'm extremely grateful for it. I mean, very few guys get the opportunity to go out there and compete against that type of competition, and luckily I was. Um, and I don't take any of those moments I was given for granted. I mean, those those games that I threw in out there were another stepping stone for me to get to me, push me to where I am today. And you put up really good numbers in the Cape, too. You led your team in appearances, and you struck out at least a batter per inning. If you give someone the stat sheet at the end of the year and go, which one of these guys played Division three baseball? You'd have no idea. Yeah, and my mentality going out there was to learn as much as I could, um, but most importantly, to get as many appearances and innings as that I could out there against those types of hitters because I knew coming back here, um, not to the, ba- the bash of Division three hitters, but I wasn't going to face the best of the SEC um, until I get back into professional baseball. So that was an opportunity for me to get a head start um, on what my goal was so that Hopefully in the future here, um, when I go back to facing those guys, I have an understanding of how to attack them, how my stuff plays against them. It, it was every, everything I everything I try to do is for a reason, um, and that was just another step in trying to get me into my end goal. So sticking with steps, all of your appearances last season were out of the bullpen, and in this year's abbreviated season, you were a starting pitcher exclusively. Was the move to have you throw at the beginning of games part of the process for developing you to make that move to the next level? Or was that something that was done out of necessity because you had a number of senior arms move on and it was just your turn to, to get up there and start games? Yeah, I feel like that was it was a combination of it was just another stepping stone for me. That past year we had the national championship year, we had 
or three starting uh, main starting pitchers were all seniors. Um, so it just fit for me to be on the back end. I had the stuff to play to finish games off and shorten the game. Um, and they had the experience to go the six, seven innings and get the ball off to me. Um, but this year, uh, I was ready for the jump. Uh, it was part of me showing that I, I'm a fast learner. I can handle things on the fly, and that's what I wanted to prove uh, to people, and that's what was the next challenging step for me. Uh, it was something new for me to attack. And so it took a lot in the fall of uh, progressions and understanding my body and just continuing to make steps uh, to get myself – put myself in the opportunity to throw six, seven innings, attack lineups through two, three times, um, and still dominate. Your season started a couple of weeks before Division One, so if a professional scouts wanted to check out any potential prospects, a Panthers game with you on the mound was a place to be. Now, you've had a number of eyes and radar guns pointed at you this year. Has being under the additional scrutiny changed your approach to, to pitching at all this season? Because essentially, every outing that you've had, what was in reality... A job interview. Um, it, it doesn't really change much for me. Uh, my goal this year, when I set out, was to show to the country that I'm one of the best pitchers, not in the Division Three level, not in the Division Two, not Division One. I'm one of the best pitchers in the country. Um, and I know it was a high task to prove, but I wasn't caring on who I was. I didn't want to compare myself to anybody but the best. Um, so whoever is buying the home plate, whoever is watching me. Um, I go through everything to the most full extent from my preparation to when I get on the mound. Uh, I take nothing for granted. And when you want to be the best, you have to challenge yourself in every moment. Uh, and you can't expect yourself to ever not be great. And that's exactly what I held in my standards. And the end goal, obviously, is to end up in professional baseball, to end up in the major leagues. And I want to be the best that I can be. Um, but to get there, you can't worry about those steps. I can only control so much. Um, and I feel like what I did is good enough at this point to get me to the next step. And, um, hopefully a team takes an opportunity, um, on me and they're going to be extremely grateful that they're going to get a guy that's going to work hard. Um, he's going to learn as fast as he can. And I'm going to try to do as much as I can to make a difference. Okay. So you're a hard worker and you have a monster fastball, which by the way, I was reading a scouting report on you and it eloquently stated Garcia throws the shit out of the ball. So, in addition to those characteristics, what other weapons do you have in your pitching arsenal? Yeah, so back when I was a, uh, my sophomore year, coming, that was first year throwing, I was essentially two two pitch guy when I was on the mound. Uh, it was fastball, curveball, or fastball slider, depending on the day of how it felt, um, how we had to attack a lineup, which has worked best. Um, going to the Cape. Started to learn a lot really quickly. Uh, off-speed pitches. I just began to refine how to throw my curveball, refining the slider, learning a changeup, um, and that really helped me get through batters there. Uh, then coming back, I really knew to be a starter and go through the lineup, uh, and just for my future in general, just start to play with stuff and learn every, learn the feel of a lot of different things. And so we learned how to cut the fastball, how to sink the fastball. Um, then learning the cut, throwing a cut fast ball um, made my slider a lot easier, a lot better, uh, simpler. It became just bread and butter, just like my fastball has always been for me. Um, and then just making, learning the little things of how to feel stuff uh, rather than just watching rap, watching video or looking rap soto data and just being like, oh, I don't know what it really did that time, but it did this. So 
maybe if I just do what I did there, but I don't know what it is. That's not really what we do here um, at Chapman. We, we try to feel everything we can off the mound so that you know how to get where you're supposed to be come game day. Uh, you know how to make the adjustments on a fly. And that was the biggest thing for me is understanding how my body is moving. I mean, um, I've been a later development guy of my body. So I feel like just now I'm starting to get an understanding of that. And that's been very helpful in understanding those things because when you're on your not so good days on the mound, you have to somehow get back to, to where your base is and then go from there. Okay. So, so you, you were just mentioning your development of, of your pitches. Would you say as you're learning and experimenting with your techniques, you're more of a traditionalist where it basically it's just you, a coach and a catcher in a mound, or have you embraced the emerging technology aspect of development where you have high resolution cameras breaking you down frame by frame and they have all sorts of gadgets and doohickeys attached to you and, and, and they're measuring every conceivable amount of data. Just because we don't have, I mean, we're a division three university. We're not very funded in that. We don't have access to any of that stuff. Uh, any of the rap soda, any of the high, uh, the, the slow motion video cameras. Uh, and honestly, for me, in this point in time, or putting my base layer of development down, I don't think that was necessary. Um, I thought that would have eliminated a lot of what I had to learn um, later on down the line because you sometimes guys get too caught up in some of that stuff rather than just understanding the feel of things more than they just try to look at the result. And there's uh, a very much of a difference between real and feel. Um, and my big thing is understanding my feel so that when the ball comes out of my hand, I know what it should look like and how I should get the feel in order to get there. Um, so later down the line, I know that's definitely going to play a factor in refining my arsenal of stuff, how I attack guys, how do I adjust pitches to make them a little bit better. Uh, but as far as this base that I've put down here at Chapman in this year and a half, almost two years of pitching now, um, it all goes down to just that kind of, I guess you could say old-fashioned look, but I think it, there's nothing wrong with it, and I think it's undervalued. Now, considering your arm, your attitude, your size, and, and, and the fact that your body is still pretty fresh since you've only just begun pitching, it would be a pretty substantial fluke to not have your name called in this year's draft. With that, how are you planning on spending your days on June 10th and 11th while the draft is taking place? Um, I'm planning on just spending it with my family. I mean, uh, probably, I mean, they're the ones who are there for me this whole time, uh, when it comes down to it, they're the ones who created this person I am today. Everything I owe as a person goes to them. My parents, my brother, uh, my close friends from back home. Um, what we did as young children, what my parents pushed me towards, uh, being a good person, good human being, uh, has helped me get in this position I am. And I really can't control anything else. Nobody's been able to control any of what you've been able to do for the past two months. Um and that's a hard pill to take when you want to try to prove how great you are to the world. Um, but to be honest, you just got to spend that time with the people that you love and um, have been there for you. And that's how I plan on spending that day. That was awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. A big thank you to Nick for taking some time to talk to me. I will be adding another name to my list of people I wish nothing but the best for. I, I wish that list was as lengthy as, as the list of people I wish doomed to. Someday. Someday. Anyways, 
Again, and thank you. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell someone. Say, hey, check it out. If you didn't like it, don't tell anybody. Please. There's a high drive to center. Goodbye.